The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a rainy day from Stark Vegas. It means there's some warmer weather on the backside of this front, for a little while anyway. Hope you guys are getting thawed out. It's, uh, it's not something that we're acclimated to, right? It's true. It's true. But there is uh, good news on the way. Be baseball soon. It's always great. Now, if you haven't heard yet, the, uh, the the baseball women's clinic is this weekend. You can go to healthstate.com. You can sign up there. My lovely bride will be there. I've informed Chris Lamonis that uh, she is to hit cleanup. So, uh, nevertheless, but uh, good time. She's never been before. And uh, every single time this thing has came up, she's had a conflict. But uh, if you're interested in that, go to the healthstate.com website. Go to the baseball tab. You can find that. Should be a good time. Ladies, get out. Go have some fun. In addition to that, uh, Mississippi State's also announced just yesterday that Fan Day, that's right, Fan Day, it's been a while, but Fan Day is slated for February the 10th. That's going to be an afternoon event from 3 to 5. It's going to be in the Palmero Center. You can come and meet all your favorite Diamond Dogs. All kind of uh, cool things going on there. Doors going to open at 2.30. Going to ask you to enter through the southeast entrance of the Palmero Center the 2024 roster, everybody will be there signing the autographs. You can take pictures. The uh, 2021 College World Series Championship Trophy will be there. They've got some Maroon Memories Stadium tours. You can make a big deal. Bully is going to be there, the Diamond Girls. It's always fun. They even had the little dude zone set up. So inflatables for the kids. So if you've got younger kids... Maybe you can get a placeholder in line. Maybe, maybe dad can stand in line. And uh, mom can get in line, take the kids over there, let them jump around, have a little fun. But also go to healthstate.com uh, baseball to get uh, more information about that. Going to be some cool things that you can learn, too, about your, uh, your fan day experience. And uh, season's going to be there on the 16th. You excited about that? 56-game regular season schedule plus whatever we do in the postseason. We got 35 home games, 17 road games, and four neutral site matchups. I, I like the schedule. I do. And uh, of course, we'll open up with a dozen games at home, and then uh, you know we got you know we don't leave Mississippi for a month, so plenty of opportunities to go see the Diamond Dogs play early this baseball season. But uh, let me encourage you. 
maybe for you guys out there, maybe you're looking for a unique Valentine's Day gift. Maybe, maybe consider buying your wife an opportunity to go to the women's clinic this weekend. You probably need to check with her. It's already Wednesday. I don't know what her plans are for the weekend. But if you're on the fence about going, let me encourage you to go. They do such a good job with all that, uh, you know, the football women's clinic and things like that. But uh, baseball, it's something they've done for a few years. You know, we didn't do it for a little while, but uh, it's back. And so go out there and uh, enjoy that. I can tell you that Dana is pumped about going. If you saw the uh, video that I shared on uh, Twitter and Facebook of her giving you guys a virtual tour of the new True Rest uh, franchise here in Stark Vegas will be opening soon. You can see she's wearing her Mississippi State uh, hoodie and uh, also gives a shout-out to the women's clinic. So go give that an opportunity. But uh, if, if it's a little short notice for you, be making plans for Fan Day. It's February 10th. It'll be here before you know it. Be here before you know it, for sure. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, too. I, I recently went to the grill and had those uh, sweet heat sliders. I still have not tackled that uh, sloppy Joe sliders craving. Maybe we'll do that tonight. Maybe. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, I enjoy going to Bulldog Burger Company because here's the deal. I like to be waited on. And I don't mean that in an arrogant or narcissistic way. But I like to be able to go sit and have an engaging conversation with the wife or somebody else in the family or friends or whatever, I like being able to just kind of go there and get a great meal at a great price and get great service. I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't. And nobody knocks it out of the park better than Bulldog Burger Company. I know when I walk in there, I know what I'm going to experience. I'm going to get the spring rolls. It's part of my, uh, you know, part of my beauty routine. Should be yours as well. It'll make you better looking. And then I've got an assortment of great items to choose from on the menu. If you're a newbie, get the Bulldog. Okay, just trust me on that. And then begin to branch out a little bit. Or you say, you know what, Steve, I'm, just, I'm not going to just dip my toes in. I'm just going to take a run and leap and plunge myself in the Bulldog Burger Company. Then maybe walk on the wild side a little bit. Maybe get the mission. Maybe get that good morning burger. So many great ones to choose from. Uh, but you got to get the Shipley's bread pudding. you got to get the chocolate shake to go. Uh, I like dessert to go. I do. I like, hey, just go ahead and package it up, bring it with a check. And because uh, a little bit later tonight, I'm going to want a palate cleanser. And it's nice to have something of that quality. You know, you could just get a mint. But wait, listen, what's life without a little whimsy, right? Bulldog Burger Company has three great, three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out today. Go have an adult beverage, a night out with friends, a night out with family. Bulldog Burger Company can take care of you. I love them. They love me. They love you. We all love each other. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, we'll start with our men's basketball preview. Our Justin Frommer's trying to get to Gainesville. Uh, some flight delays due to the weather. Hopefully things work out. I know he's a little bit anxious about it, but, uh, yeah, I think it'll be okay. Now, Missouri coming off, uh, excuse me, Florida coming off probably their, one of the better games of the year. Uh, against Missouri. Maybe you've kept up, maybe you had. But let, let's quickly run through the schedule here. Uh, the Gators 12 and 6 on the year, 2 and 3 within the Southeastern Conference. They've won one game in a row. They're 7 and 1 at home. The O'Connell Center is a difficult place to play when Florida's playing well. They're playing better. I wouldn't say they're playing well. 
but they've played well as of late. 7-1 at home, 1-3 in true road games, and 4-2 and on a neutral floor. And, uh, of course, we're headed to Gainesville. So, you know, they're – their work outside of their home arena, not really relevant to our discussion, but um, just to kind of give you a, a primer, a little bit of what to expect. Uh, they opened the regular season with a 20-point win over Loyola of Maryland. How many of you knew there was a Loyola of Maryland before this moment? Uh, they lose by three to Virginia in Charlotte in the Hall of Fame series. They bounce back with an 89-68 win over Florida A&M. Identical score later that week against Florida State. It was, it's a nice quality win to get the rivalry win at home and, and to win by 20-plus points. They take down Pittsburgh in the NIT season tip-off, 86-71. They lose to Baylor. Very competitive game, 95-91. Baylor was ranked 13th at the time. That game took place in Brooklyn, New York. Wake Forest, a game that uh, Coach Todd Golden said they didn't really execute well. They lose 82-71 on the road at Winston-Salem. 20-point win over Merrimack College. And they get the Richmond Spiders in the Orange Bowl Classic down in Sunrise, Florida, 87-76. 70-65 over ECU at the Florida tip-off. That took place in Lakeland, Florida. They participated in the Jumpman Invitational and uh, played a barn burner of a game with Michigan and Charlotte, and they lose in double overtime, 106-101. But that was entertaining. Maybe some of you watched it. I don't know. They win that game. Excuse me. 106-101. And, uh, and then they get Grand Point State, 96-57. You'd expect that. So they put together a nice little winning streak there. And then capped that with a, uh, a win over Quinnipiac, a recent baseball opponent from Mississippi State. It's a fun thing to say, Quinnipiac. Say it with me. Quinnipiac. It's fun. It is. 97-72 winners there, and that closes out the non-conference. They get into conference play, and they host Kentucky. At the time, Kentucky ranked sixth in the country. And listen, Kentucky's a great team. They really are. And uh, with the athletes on that team, you fully expect them to, uh, to do a good job. And they have. They have. They're athletic. And, you know, come tournament time, they're going to be a team to watch. Uh, the losing streak continues. It only goes to two games, but they go to Oxford, and Ole Miss absolutely destroys them, 103-85. to Now, you talk about a high-scoring game. Bounce back at the O'Connell Center, take care of uh, Arkansas, 90-68. to They lose at Tennessee, 85-66. It's tough to win on the road, but they did against Missouri, 89-67. 79-67, if I can read. Uh, and that's a good game. What's interesting, a couple things I think we can take away from this game. I don't know if you've looked at the box score. An interesting note here. Missouri, in this ballgame, was 3 of 16 from the three-point line. 3 of 16. That's good perimeter defense. Not, not a lot of open looks, not a lot of conversions. What's interesting, too, and uh, Todd Golden mentioned this yesterday in his press conference, is that Mississippi State allows a lot of three-point shots, but not a high percentage. It's something like, well, we're kind of content to let you shoot the low-percentage shot. And, but somebody asked him, well, how, how do you explain that? And he said a lot of it's because of our length and our ability to close out on shooters, that uh, we, we do give up some open looks at times, but we do kind of scramble out there and alter the shot a little bit. You, know, you get a hand up and you know, kind of forces a little bit of, uh, of an alteration there. Uh, but also, too, they mentioned uh, Tolu Smith. You know, much different dynamic, obviously. You know, when they were playing at Missouri, they were able to kind of man up in the post 
which enabled them to kind of lock down shooters on the perimeter. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with Tolu. We need Tolu to have a big game. We need to force the double team and make some perimeter shots. Uh, but, yeah, when you only give up three three-point shots in a ball game, chances are you're, you're going to win. Uh, you are. Uh, but, yeah, so good game for them. And, of course, uh, you know, Missouri falls to 8-10 and 10 and 0-5 and in the SEC. And I think maybe the level of competition had something to do with their execution. That was one of the things that uh, Golden kind of mentioned yesterday. They really executed at a high level. Well, when you've got the better players, you should, even though you're on somebody else's uh, home court, it's not a great Missouri team. But uh, Florida goes in there, takes care of business. It was a three-point game at the break, and then the second half, they just kind of took over. Uh, push that thing out 12 points. But, um, you know, it's an interesting dynamic to hear other coaches talk about our team. Now, look at some individual numbers here. And uh, the Florida website, pretty easy to navigate. Thanks, Scott Strickland. Uh, but Walter Clayton, Jr., are you familiar with him? Yeah, he's a leading scorer, 15.8 points a game. Zion Pullen on 14.6. Tyree Samuel, 13.6. Riley Kugel, former Mississippi State commitment, 11.4. And uh, Will Richard, uh, 10.8. So uh, five double-digit scores. They really do it by committee. Not a ton of depth on this team. Alex Condon throwing in eight points a game. Uh, Micah Hanlogden. Is a reserve post player. He's played well, not really reserve. He's played a lot, but um, you know, not a big score. But a guy that uh, is doing a pretty good job altering shots. His block numbers are not tremendous, but uh, because of his length, he is a guy. Sometimes it kind of forces you to uh, to take a more difficult shot. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how we match up here. Uh, as Golden says, they're going to let it fly. You know, they're a team that wants to shoot the three point basket. They have 411 attempts on the year. And converting right at 33% with 136 makes there. But, um, you know, Walter Clayton leading the charge there with 37 and Will Richard with 34. Uh, so we're going to have to defend the perimeter. It's going to be an important game for us. It's a very winnable game for us. But in order for us to win this game, we're going to need Tolu Smith to have a big game. Like everybody sees it for what it is. We're going to go as far as we take it. But an interesting comment that Golden made as well. Mississippi State's got four guys that started for Ben Howland, still starting for Chris Jans. So we've done a good job keeping the nucleus together. And thank the Bulldog Initiative and some of our very generous donors in that respect, right? But you begin to kind of break it down. You got Tolu and you got Jeffries and you got Cam and you got Shaquille Moore. These are some guys that played a lot of basketball together. We're going to start five seniors. And then we're going to bring Josh Hubbard, one of the most electrifying uh, shooters from the freshman ranks in the country. We're a good team. We need to play like a good team. I think it's a game we can get. Uh, now, we have taken some good teams down to Florida and come home with a loss. But if we go down there and play our game, if we go down there and make them kind of grind it out, got a really good chance to win this game. Now, look at some team numbers here. Guys, they're averaging 85 points a game. And, again, a lot of that's coming from – a variety of sources, but uh, they're doing really good on the inside-outside game. They are a perimeter shooting team. It's one of the things that they emphasize. And so if we can force the early shot, if we can get out there and disrupt the shot and not let them shoot in rhythm, got a really good chance to win this game. But we're not, we're not going to win a shootout with Florida. I'm just going to – you know, you have seen enough of this Bulldog basketball team to understand when we control the tempo 
We don't let people get out in transition. We don't give up easy looks. We're a tough team to beat. You beat Tennessee, arguably the most talented team in the conference. And so that's proof that on any given night, we can take care of business. And we need to take care of business tonight. What's interesting, though, is you look at, like, the scoring margin – Despite the fact that they really hadn't played a very challenging on-conference schedule, the scoring differential is under nine points. So these are they're in tight games a lot, and that could matter down the stretch. Like, hey, we've been here before. It's okay. Everybody just kind of keep playing. Everybody stay within themselves. So they're used to being in tight ball games. And, and we went through the schedule, and you saw there were some very competitive games. You know, Ole Miss really got after them. And, of course, it's an SEC road game. Always tough to win on the road. But I think this is a game, too – where we've got to maintain our composure. And when you go back and look at that Alabama game, we're right there. And then we have three seniors step up and miss two free throws apiece down the stretch. That can't happen in a game like this. And that was a home game. But when you go on the road like this, you've got to be able to, to keep the game close and give yourself a chance to win it late. I don't think this is a game where um, things are going to get away from either team. I think it'll be a very competitive game. But I think that Mississippi State, due to our experience and the fact that we, you know, it's not a big deal for us to put on a dark colored jersey and go on the road. We're not intimidated by that. I don't know how raucous the environment's going to be, a midweek game. Those road games, you'd love to play them in the midweek, right, rather than on the weekends. A lot less people can can be there. That's not to say that the kids that are there, the students that are there, uh, and the really, you know, the hardened basketball fans in the greater Gainesville area won't do a good job. It's just a different environment on the weekends because everybody can be there. But it's a team that shoots it pretty well, uh, right at the number 45%. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. No break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. 
Got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Interesting. You know, 33% for Beyond Arc, who I talked about. Uh, but rebounding is going to be key for us. They've done a really good job kind of controlling the glass. I think a lot of that, too, is because they've been able to out-talent people in an non-conference schedule that really wasn't that challenging. But uh, pulling down 44.7 boards a game, allowing 34.4, so a 10.3 differential in favor of the Gators. I think with Tolu and Jimmy Bell and Cam Matthews, we can neutralize some of that. I, I think if you look up at the end of the day, and if we have won the rebounding battle in this game, we have likely won the game. They do dish out a handful of assists, 15.3 per game, allowing 11.5. They do commit some turnovers, though. A negative turnover margin for them. That's interesting, right? Uh, 12.8 turnovers a game. I guess it's not. I misread this. They're, they're, yeah, that's, that's correct. They're turning it over 12.8 times a game and only forcing 11 turnovers. So, yeah, it is a negative 1.6 differential. I thought I was wrong, but I was mistaken as Mark Twain once told us. Uh, so, yeah, they're a team that can get a little bit sloppy at times, and this is where Stets got to take care of basketball. we got to take care of the basketball. Not a ton of blocks for them, 90, allowing 76. So, basically, five a game. We've got some length. We've got some size. we got to get in there and kind of play bully ball with these guys. We do. Now, Golden says that's what they're going to try to do to Tolu Smith. They want to make him uncomfortable. They want to make him receive the ball out of the post. Uh, they want to make him give the ball up. I, my honest opinion is if they try to man up Tolu, Tolu is too good of a passer uh, for that to be successful. I think they're going to have to double Tolu in the post. And I think one-on-one Tolu can compete with anybody in the Southeastern Conference. 
So we're going to go as far tonight as he can carry us. And uh, I know many of you are interested in watching the game. If you're in the area and you're on the fence about going, let me encourage you to go. Please, 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 please go to the game if you're there. Uh, that is a 7.30 tip Mississippi State time. So hopefully Justin will make it. They're talking about them you know, getting out there. But, uh, yeah, Justin's going to be there for us, uh, weather permitting. It's going to be on the SEC Network. I'm sure you're going to want to tune in to watch that. Uh, and you know what happened Saturday. We'll talk about that uh, on, on Friday. But, uh, you know, Auburn comes to town, top ten Auburn. So we're going to need you there. Again, make plans to be there. And, and if, you're, if you're coming for the women's clinic, it works out pretty well, right? Because shortly after the women's clinic is over, you can hustle right on over to Humphrey Coliseum for a 2.30 tip. You can make a whole day out of it. What would be better than that? Drop mom off for the women's clinic. Go get some breakfast. Get some brunch. Go pick her up. Maybe go get yourself a snack. Or maybe eat again. I don't know your needs. And then go to the basketball game. Could be a great day. But, uh, yeah, when you look at this Auburn team, and we will in greater detail on Friday, there's a lot to like about this team. And there's a lot that concerns you if you're an opponent. And uh, Bruce Pearl's done a great job there. Anybody that says otherwise, just being disingenuous. Uh, pretty incredible. But uh, let, let's take a little look. We'll look back at what's happened here as of late. A big win last night for South Carolina makes us look a little bit better, I guess. Maybe we don't feel quite as bad about that loss. But uh, South Carolina absolutely destroys Kentucky, 79-62. And then they stormed the court, got fined for it. But there was, there was nothing fluky about the game at all. You don't win in the Southeastern Conference against a top-10 opponent. And it's a fluke. And, of course, Texas A&M takes down Missouri at home, 63-57. Looking at tonight's games, LSU is at Georgia. Auburn, of course, at Alabama. Mississippi State at Florida. Arkansas at Ole Miss. LSU may be a little bit better than advertised. Georgia, Mike White doing a good job there. Auburn's got to go to Alabama. Alabama always seems to do a good job at Coleman. That could be an interesting game. Uh, so, you know, if you want to, just watch that doubleheader on the network. Watch LSU and Georgia. We'll play both of those teams at some point. And uh, maybe flip back and forth with the Auburn-Alabama game until the Bulldogs come on. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, the nightcap, Arkansas and Ole Miss. So you can get your fill of SEC basketball tonight. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, uh, you know, when you begin to think about how important this week is, we can ill afford to go 0-2. we got to find a way to win this game tonight. Auburn's now won 11 games in a row. Not to say that, hey, anything can happen, especially when you go on the road. But uh, this is a team, this Auburn team, very well coached, very talented. They'll play in Tuscaloosa tonight and then be in Starkville this weekend. So a road week for the Tigers. But uh, they are battle-tested, to say the least. And then uh, you have Tennessee and Alabama right there at 4-1. So it could be a very competitive game for sure. But uh, you start looking through the numbers here and you start looking at the teams that are behind us. You know, Missouri and Vanderbilt are winless in the conference. Arkansas is 1-4. Uh, they're probably facing a must-win game tonight. It's going to be tough. But Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Florida, all right there together with two and three records. And you start thinking about the postseason. And, again, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, plenty of basketball ought to be played. Yeah, you're, you're going to say that, and you're going to usher yourself right into the NIT. The only games that matter right now are the ones we're playing now. 
Tonight's game is really all that matters. We don't think, well, you know, we'll get down into this. No, 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 no. You got to win tonight, period. And you know as well as I do, Chris Jans has that mentality. Uh, Chris is a very cerebral guy, but a very grit and gravel type coach. We're going to go out there and try to get out for these guys. And uh, Florida's not a finesse team by any stretch of the imagination, but they are a very athletic team, and they do their best to kind of get some open looks, kind of work that ball around out there. There's going to be a lot of ball movement. Uh, help side defense is going to be huge for Mississippi State. Be big for Florida, too. Uh, that's kind of where we are. Uh, we begin to look ahead at all this stuff. All right, time for today's top 10 list, as always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E, with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is my friend, your friend. He's our collective friend in the mortgage industry. Guys, 23 years of experience, back-to-back-to-back, top 1% close ratios in the country. Here's the deal. I don't know what your needs are. I say that all the time. And it's really out of respect, right? I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you, hey, this is what you should do. I don't know what your needs and concerns are. I don't know what your dreams are. But I suspect that at some point, you've had the dream of home ownership. I would suspect that's the case. And maybe that's proven to be elusive for you. You know what? It may be because of the fact that you had the wrong loan officer. It may be because you didn't have somebody kind of championing your cause that understands the ins and outs of the mortgage industry. Nobody stays in any industry for 20-plus years without knowing what they're doing. You need to have somebody that knows how to get things done, championing your cause when it comes to your home. Your mortgage is too important to just trust by some fly-by-night subprime lender. Blair now works for um, a Priority One Mortgage, recently made the move over there. The same level of service went with him. Hit him up today at 601-500-2344. That's 601-500-2344. Be sure and let him know that you heard about him on the barnyard. He might sing a song for you, probably like a widespread panic song or something. You know, but let's not hold that against him, right? I know at the end of the day, Blair's going to do a good job for you, regardless of his musical interest, right? And I love Blair. Blair's a friend of mine. Very happy to partner with him. I wouldn't do business with people that I didn't trust. And so you're going to have to just kind of take my recommendation here. Blair is somebody you can trust to get things done. Again, that's closewithblair.com. I don't know why, but uh, I decided to do Randy Rhodes today. Now, I wanted, I wanted to give, I guess because I wanted to talk about some things here that I've learned recently. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine, uh, love his music. I don't know how you feel about his politics, but uh, I, I, don't, uh, I don't ask anybody for their voter ID card when I buy their CDs or I download their music. Hadn't bought a CD in a while, to be honest with you. But, uh, but all that I understood, uh, Tom Morello says that Randy Rhodes is kind of like the, uh, the Robert Johnson of rock music, right? Because the catalog is so small, but it's so incredibly influential. And many of you don't know me, you young bucks, like you hear the name Randy Rhodes, you think, man, this guy had a career, this lasted forever. Man, guys, Randy died at 25. He did, and, and started Quiet Riot, man, when he was like 17 years old. It's nuts, right? And then, like, his, his best friend, Kelly Garman, he went to high school with. They were just hoods, right? That's what, that's what they called us back then. We were just hoods. If we had our hair on our collar and maybe an earring in or whatever, you know, smoke Marlboro Lights, we were hoods. That's what they called us. We were hoods. But Randy was so talented that he taught his best friend how to play bass, and they ultimately started Quiet Riot together. 
Uh, Randy left Quiet Riot after things got crazy. Kevin DeBrow, who's always been a little bit prickly, God rest his soul. Uh, but Kevin DeBrow is a great singer. And uh, he and, and uh, Kelly got into an argument. There was a gun pulled. And then Randy had to fire like his best friend. And things got to be really, really tough. And uh, what's interesting is as the soap opera of Quiet Riot kind of continued, Randy Rhodes looked to leave the band. And, um, you know, Rudy Sarzo, of course, you know, the great Rudy Sarzo uh, was with Quiet Riot, spent some time with Ozzy, some time with Whitesnake. Rudy's played with everybody. He's been in my band, your band, everybody's band. One of the great guys in rock music. People know him and love him. But uh, Dana Strom, who I'm going to see this Saturday night in Biloxi when Great White and Slaughter play. If you're going to the show, be sure and say what's up. Um, I've met Dana a handful of times. Dana Strom is the, the person that encouraged Randy Rhodes to audition for Ozzy. He didn't want to do it. And Dana's like, ah, you got to go do it. And so he goes and uh, goes to the studio and lays down some riffs, and they say, hey, we're going to give you the gig. Dana Strom actually comes out and tells him, you're going to get the gig. Doesn't really formally meet Ozzy until the next day. And next thing you know, he is the guitar player in Ozzy. And it's interesting, too, to, to read about song composition from Randy Rhodes. Because everything in rock was kind of like in the same pocket, right? Everything was like the same chording, Everything's played in the same pitch. It was just so much to it. And Randy Rhodes was a neoclassical trained guitarist. His mom ran a music store. She was a classical pianist. His, his dad was also a musician. Uh, when they were very, very young, they didn't have a TV because the parents wanted them to just entertain themselves with their musical instruments. And so when Randy Rhodes got in with Ozzy, and uh, maybe it's because Ozzy just didn't care, because Ozzy was in the depths of addiction, they gave Randy a ton of freedom. And that's when Randy began to expand his horizons a little bit. When he was with Quiet Riot, people were like, you know, they kind of sound like everybody else. And all of a sudden, you had this virtuoso that became one of the most significant guitar players in the history of music. Not just American metal, not just in American music, not just in heavy metal or rock. Most of them, one of the most influential guitarists of all time. And here's something I bet you didn't know. Did you know Randy Rhodes was quitting the band with Ozzy? Did you know that? Of course, Ozzy had gotten drunk, fired the whole crew many times. But as I mentioned, Ozzy was in a deficit of addiction. He would miss shows. He'd get so hungover, couldn't perform the next day. And uh, Randy was just tired of it. It had been so much drama with Quiet Riot, now with Ozzy. And even two albums in, he was ready to leave. And there was all this discussion about, hey, let's do a live album uh, our co like a cover album, Black Sabbath material with Ozzy. And they were going to have Tommy Aldridge and Randy Rhodes play on it. And they didn't want to do it. And um, eventually got shelved. And then it came back as uh, Speak of the Devil after Randy's death. But uh, Randy Rhodes had a very tragic death. And it was pretty crazy how it all went down. Uh, it was a guy, they, they were on tour. And they had stopped. And uh, they were resting at some guy's house. And uh, this happened to be like a helicopter and some planes out there. One of the guys knew how to fly the plane. Got out, took some people around for a ride. And everything was cool. And then their makeup artist, who was like 58, had a heart condition. And she goes, hey, I'd love to go up. But you can't do all this crazy stuff. Because before, they'd come through and the guy tried to buzz the bus to wake up Tommy Aldridge. 
And so he said, no, no, we'll, we'll just go up and go real slow and let you take it in. And Randy Rhodes, who had a terrible fear of flying, decided, I want to go up and take some aerial photos. And uh, next thing you know, the, the pilot, who uh, reportedly had been arguing with his estranged wife the entire night and had been hopped up on cocaine, decided to buzz the bus again. And as he goes by, he clips the bus. And the next thing you know, the plane crashes and bursts into flames. And all were killed. All three, the passenger, the makeup artist, and Randy Rhodes. And with that, uh, one of the greatest musicians ever is gone. So here are my top ten Randy Rhodes tracks. Now, the first two Quiet Route Right albums, QR1 and QR2, not available in America. That was part of the problem with Quiet Riot is that they couldn't get an American distribution deal. And all the other infighting in the band was part of the issue, too. But Randy wanted to kind of just, let me just go join a band. Instead of starting another band, let me just go join a band. And then, of course, Dana Strum, the great Dana Strum, great name for a bass player, uh, gives him the opportunity to, uh, to audition for Ozzy, and the rest is rock and roll history. So here we go, my top ten Randy Rhodes tracks. Now, these may not be your favorite Ozzy ones, because, again, just two albums with Ozzy, right, Blizzard of Oz, which was initially the name of the band. Did you know that? But they decided to kind of trade on the name of Ozzy Osbourne, who had been very successful Black Sabbath. So here we go. Number 10, it's Revelation, Mother Earth. Great track, technically an absolute masterpiece. And again, you can kind of feel this is not the same power chords over and over again. Music was changing, and Randy Rhodes is a big part of it. You had Eddie Van Halen doing the tap and all the shredding over there, and then you had Randy kind of introducing some classical elements into rock music. So they were contemporaries in many respects. Uh, number nine, you can't kill rock and roll. You, you can't. You can't. Of course, Twisted Sister has a song of the same name. It's not the same song. Great track, for sure. Now, number eight, a song that got Ozzy a little bit in trouble here. Ozzy Osbourne, of course, was uh, you know a historical, legendary alcoholic. In fact, the last conversation rumored to have taken place between Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne is Randy told him, you know, you're going to kill yourself one day with all this drinking. Yeah. So Ozzy had written a song called Suicide Solution. And the opening line is, uh, you know, wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. Suicide is done with liquor. You know, it was about drinking yourself to death. But a lot of people said, hey, Suicide Solution that must mean it's okay to go kill myself. And uh, so there was a, a teenager that shot and killed himself, and they said he immediately listened to Suicide Solution and went out and killed himself, uh, as if somehow that he was mesmerized by the uh, musical stylings of Ozzy Osbourne. And again, the song is about alcoholism. And the thing that I've learned about that, and I've had many friends that um, unfortunately decided to take their own lives and uh, I'm a suicide survivor myself and I can tell you that there was never any music that uh, led me to do that you know it's my own issues my own depression and if you're a person that struggles with that let me encourage you go get some help you can call the uh, suicide prevention line anonymously right now you can call them right now and talk to them uh, but yeah, so Suicide Solution, you know, it's about the slow process of drinking yourself to death. But uh, there was a lawsuit filed. They had to deal with all that. Uh, they said that Ed, Ozzy was encouraging negative behavior or self-destructive behavior. It was crazy, man. It was absolutely nuts. Of course, it never went anywhere, but um, it's pretty crazy to think 
when you listen, look at the music today, the stuff that's out there. I mean, you can see, understand, these, these guys were the precursors to free speech in many respects and music. All right, number seven, a song that uh, opens up with a great kind of haunting synth feel to it. Uh, it's after one of the black magic masters of all time, Aleister Crowley. You know, Jimmy Page lived in Aleister Crowley's castle for a while. Little, uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. But anyway, in the uh, early to mid-80s, there was a lot of this... Um, a lot of this fascination with the occult in rock music, and it's because uh, people are like, oh, they're devil worshippers, and it all started with Kiss, right? All of a sudden, Kiss wasn't just this uh, band that you know put on high heels and makeup and stuff out there and get out there and play a rock show. They said, oh, these guys, that's the, the Knights in Satan's service. You know, that's what they said. It's so stupid. Um, but because of the fact they got a reaction from people, right? I mean, in many respects, these bands were just agent provocateurs, and so let's go do something to shock people. Because it was all of this, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I guess it was all this religious right versus music in the 80s. And uh, they, they would burn records. That was the big thing. And we're all going to meet up and and uh, we're going to burn our, our records or we're going to bulldoze the records. And you know, there was all this talk about, hey, we burned this Kiss album and you could hear the demons hissing in the records. I mean, it's just some things like that. It's just, I mean, we've evolved a lot as a, as a society. Uh, but all that I understood, because of the fact there was such angst, there was controversy created by this, right? There was a lot of bands all of a sudden. You'd see the pentagrams and things like that. And um, it's so funny. Like nowadays, like uh, I remember some time ago when Paul Stanley had a tweet that said, um, you know, what is so wrong about having a moral code? Why is it more important to go to the club to go to church? And I think to myself, where, where, where have we come, Right. We've come full circle. It's not cool to go to church, but it's cool to go to clubs. And it's Paul, Paul Stanley standing up for the church. Again, it kind of shows how silly a lot of that stuff was. Really, really, a lot of it was an act. But Ozzy really played it up. He did. And uh, the Mr. Crowley track, because of the fact, the subject matter, really got a reaction from people. Number six, a song uh, much different, Goodbye to Romance. And uh, the, the tone, the guitar tone on this is just incredible. The vocal is really good, too. But what stands out to me is Randy's playing on this. I think Randy made this song in many respects. It's amazing. All right, number five, a, a track, too, that uh, I don't know that gets enough recognition. You want to hear... The infancy of the Metallica experience with Kirk Hammett. Yeah, Kirk, of course, was with Exodus and went to Metallica after uh, Dave Mustaine was fired. But, you know, in the beginning, Metallica was just thrash. They were just shredders, right? That's what they were. Everything was real aggressive. It was real fast. It was in the same pocket over and over again. And then all of a sudden, things got a little more melodic. Like, remember when Unforgiven came out and people were like, holy smokes, where has this been? This is a masterpiece. Well, go listen to Diary of a Madman. That's your, that's your birthplace of that style of music and that song. I mean, you go back, you can listen to it yourself. You can hear the chord structure is very similar. Now, Kirk Hammett, one of the most amazing guitar players of all time, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Kirk ripped off Randy. I'm just saying that this is the inspiration for that style of music. Diary of a Madman is fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. All right, number four. Love this one, man. This, again, uh, Randy just 
kind of laying it down here. I mean, it opens up, man, just this incredible riff. And uh, Ozzy's vocal is amazing on this. It's I Don't Know. And this is a rocker. And if you've ever been an Ozzy fan, you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of people that buy a T-shirt and listen to the hits. They pull up Ozzy Osbourne Essentials and just jam that. But for those of us that were alive when this music was released, <clears throat> tracks like I Don't Know kind of carry the torch. Big difference. All right, number three. I think in many respects this may be outside of, um, outside of number one. This may be the best riffing that... Um, that Randy did on what was considered a single at the time. We, you couldn't play this music on the radio, right? Because people would show up with pitchforks and that kind of stuff and threaten to burn down a radio station. But, um, you know, thank God for Z106 back in those days. And WRNO, the rock of New Orleans. But Flying High again, man, I absolutely love this one I'm from start to finish. And it's one of those songs, too. You know how some songs feel dated in your life? You're like, oh, you know. Guys, I've listened to some of this music so much in my life, even since I was a teenager. Like it, it, it may have gotten a little bit old for me in the 90s, but I went back to it. I cycled back to it, and I listen to this stuff all the time. But Flying High Again, this is just one of those songs for me. When I think of Ozzy, when I think of peak Ozzy, and you know my feelings about this, the Jakey e. Lee years were the peak years. You can get mad in the same pair of pants you get glad in, I mean, I'm sitting here paying tribute and homage to Randy Rhodes today, so I'm not throwing a shot at him. Randy Rhodes, technically a better guitar player than Jakey e. Lee. There's no question about it. But because of MTV and because of the music that, that Jake brought with him when Jake became the guitar player for Ozzy Osbourne, that was the peak. Bark at the Moon, Ultimate Sin, that was the peak of the Ozzy Osbourne experience. Period. But when I go back to this Randy stuff... That's the one for me. Flying High Again is just one of those songs that I can listen to it today and say, I remember being a teenager when I first heard this on cassette. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that time I was at Omaha and I was listening to this and I was on my way to get tacos. It's still part of the soundtrack of my life. Number two, I absolutely love the drum roll, the, the way this thing opens up, man. It's just, this is one of those songs, too, that, I, again, it wasn't technically a single. It was huge. It's over the mountain. And again, Ozzy does a great job on this one. But uh, I, I think this is one of those songs where sonically every player in the band got it absolutely right. It's a great track. But number one, and you know what it is. You know what? As soon as I mentioned the day we're doing Randy Rhodes, you knew exactly what it was going to be. And whenever we started talking about what we should do in the fourth quarter, and we get, everybody's like, hey, let's get rid of Don't Stop Believing. I said, guess we've got to do Crazy Train. We have to, and we've done it a little bit. I like what we're doing with the Eurythmics thing. I think it gets people going. But if you'll notice, sometimes in the fourth quarter, we do play some crazy trade, and that was your good friend and host recommendation. I tell you this, if they ever give me a chance to pick the soundtrack, like a Duty Noble, you know how sometimes they do the uh, theme night? Oh, we had the Stranger Things, King of Thrones, Game of Thrones, which I just finished last night, a little late to the party. I'm one of those kind of people, if I pull it up and I see, oh, it's there's 10 seasons of this. I don't know if I want to get I don't make that kind of commitment. But uh, the bride said, hey, let's watch Game of Thrones. And uh, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely did. And I know that I'm late to the party, so you have to forgive me. I, I'm pretty busy sometimes, so I don't get to watch as much Netflix as you guys do. A lot of times we just put on Big Bang Theory reruns and just kind of, you know, hang out and just kind of talk and then go on to sleep. But uh, most nights we'll, we'll try to watch a movie. 
More, not, more times than not, she doesn't make it. But uh, I watch a lot of Game of Thrones by myself. One thing I'll say real quickly, I don't want to spend time about this, but uh, Game of Thrones is excellent. Now, there is some filler in it, too. And I'll be honest with you, when they tried to do the whole Walking Dead thing as a part of that, I know they're in the books, it just didn't work for me. It, like that episode, The Long Night, The Big Battle, you know, with the Army of the Dead and stuff, it, it was so incredibly overdone. It was, and I know I'm going to get some hate for that, but like Steve, guys, it was so incredibly gratuitous from an egotistical standpoint. They made this thing out. That whole, guys, that thing could have been wrapped up in 10, 15 minutes. And there is some filler in Game of Thrones. And there are some episodes that there aren't even really any plot points. There's just things that happen. It's like, well, it's kind of like a reality show. Well, this is what's going on with so-and-so. And it, it doesn't further the story. But all that said, absolutely fabulous. Uh, I love the ending. Uh, I, and one of the things I love about Game of Thrones is you never know what's going to happen. You never know from one season to the next, one episode to the next, who's going to die, who's going to become allies, who's going to be friends. It's, uh, it's an incredible performance by everybody involved. Uh, it, it will make you uncomfortable. I'm just going to tell you now, if you don't like to see naked women, it's probably not for you uh, because there is a lot of that, especially the first five seasons. Uh, but, uh, yeah, again, a lot of uh, mystical type stuff in it, too. But it's very, very entertaining. Very entertaining. And there's the cautionary tale. And you see this throughout Game of Thrones. And I'm not going to give you any spoilers or anything like that. But what we see is that power corrupts. No matter how well intended many of these people started out. No matter how they said, hey, this is going to be my platform. Eventually... Having the power, you know, to behead your enemies or to uh, steal somebody else's property. You, you see it all throughout that. And not much has really changed. I mean, it's really a metaphor for life today. I mean, true power corrupts. It does. But there's some incredible battle scenes. There's some incredible acting in this. The writing is fabulous. So if you haven't watched it, I'm going to encourage you to watch it. Again, it's eight seasons and the last season's only like six episodes. But, uh, but I enjoyed it, and there were a lot of people, when it was in its heyday, people were like, Steve, you got to watch this, you'd love it. And I was just so resistant, I'm like, guys, I'm already like four and five seasons behind. I wasn't a big Netflix guy back then. I, I liked to, I'd watch it on broadcast TV, I just bumped the mic, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's great, it really is. So if you're looking for like something to get into, I'd encourage you to watch it. I think the, it's like filmed in Croatia or Slovenia and places like that. It's absolutely incredible what a job they did there. But anyway, back to Crazy Train. <laughs> um, this is just one of those songs, man, that um, back to my point I was making about the theme nights, I got I confused myself. If they ever gave me a chance to pick the songs, like we're gonna have, let's, let's do 80s night. Let's do a midweek ball game. We'll do 80s night, and we'll give away like some gift cards to Bulldog Burger Company to people to dress 80s night. And uh, the best contest wins. Maybe you give them a you know, gift certificate, whatever. I don't know. But, man, I'd be turning these kids on to so much 80s stuff. And I don't mean Born to Be My Baby and You Give Love a Bad Name. Those guys, those songs are great. Not going to be a whole lot of, uh, you know, nothing but a good time. We'll work in some things in the pregame playlist. But uh, during, during there, guys, uh, you're, you're going to hear some Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. We're going to put some real rock and roll. I mean, and, I, and I'm serious about it. If they ever give me the chance to say, Steve, you pick the playlist, 
We're going to do 80s night. You pick it. We can do 80s rock one one Wednesday night or one Tuesday night, and we'll do 80s top 40. We could probably even work in some 80s country. I'd need some help from some of you guys to put that list together. But uh, that's the thing about putting these lists together is that a lot of you, especially you young bucks, you know Crazy Train, and that might be it, I mean, and, which is a sad thing. And uh, one of the things that I'm going to ask you guys, I saw this recently, and um, it was a reel of Linkin Park, and it was a live performance of In the End. And the message said to future generations, please don't ever let this music die. It gave me chills. I get chills just even saying that because, like, you know, Chester's gone. I mean, what happens? I mean, and, and who would have thought Ozzy Osbourne would outlive Chester Pennington? I mean, my goodness. But my hope is, is when we do these things that we're introducing people to something a little bit more than just the single serving experience. And so I do encourage you to listen to the list when you're looking for something to travel with. And uh, there are going to be some people from my generation that, Steve, I don't really know those songs. Some of them you're going to recognize immediately and you just didn't know the name of them. But, uh, guys, Crazy Train is one of those tracks that everybody knows. It's anthemic. It's played at sporting events around the country. It's something that everybody can enjoy, and everybody knows the opening part of it. But, uh, guys, it is the, the majesty of Randy Rhodes that brings that thing forward. And uh, you can find out there, I know when they, when they have uh, Ozzy and Jack's Road Adventure or whatever, they went to the, the Big Mountain studio and they isolated Randy Solo. And it'll give you chills. And I'm sure you can find that online. The guy was an absolute genius, man. Absolute genius. He wasn't just some stoner. He didn't party a whole lot. He did smoke a lot. But um, cigarettes, not marijuana. He wasn't really involved in drugs. Occasionally they said he would have like one drink, a little sweet drink, whatever, something that was in a bottle that he could get in Europe. But he wasn't a partier. He was committed to his craft. And... Um, you know, the rock and roll sideshow kind of got to him, and tragically, we lost him in an accident. But uh, we'll still celebrate his music, and my hope is is that somebody else will pick up the mantle, you know, after Eddie Trunk is gone and other people like that, that uh, this music is still something that is played for future generations. I mean, it, it's a trip to me when, when Crazy Train comes on and I hear kids do the little I, I, part. It just drives me crazy, man. It does. It absolutely matters to me because this music means so much to me. And you hope it never dies. And hopefully through the magic of Apple Music and Spotify and things like that, that it, perhaps this will continue to be something that people can celebrate in years to come. But uh, God rest the soul of uh, the great Randy Rhodes. Uh, and if you want to go see one of the last, I think it's the last picture ever taken of him on stage. It's right here in Starkville, Mississippi. You didn't know that? Yeah, backstage music. They have it. And it was a Mississippi State student that went to Knoxville, Tennessee, that snuck his camera in there and took the picture. Believed to be the last known photo taken of Randy Rhodes on stage. Now, I, I made that claim and somebody refuted me. I said it's the last known picture taken of him. And somebody said, no, no, no. There was two girls that got their picture made with him outside the bus after the show. Okay, so cool. So we'll disqualify that saying... Last known photo of Randy Rhodes performing on stage in Knoxville, Tennessee, was captured by a Mississippi State fan, student. And, and whoever you are, thank you. I love you. I do. I have gone and looked at that picture so many times I can't even count. Every time that I have a chance to go to backstage music, I go and look at that picture of Randy Rhodes. And I imagine what that moment was like for that kid. And, uh, but, yeah, it's right here in Starkville, a little, 
rock and roll memorabilia for you. Go, go to Backstage Music. Go check those guys out. The pot, the coffee pot's always going. They're always happy to talk some tunes. And every so often, I get my Ibanez out, and I'll bang on it a little bit and drive my dogs crazy. But uh, I go in there, and I get my Ernie Ball uh, slink, super slinkies from those guys. But uh, thanks, as always, for your support of the Top Ten List. If you have an idea for the Top Ten List, reach out and let us know. Uh, best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at, at Dogmatic67. You can find our great list on Spotify under that same handle. Be sure to hit subscribe. And if you have ideas, let us know. We just might use them. Thank you. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmart. Yeah, that's right. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, look no further than Campus uh, Bookmart. They have the best selection of Mississippi State merch in the known universe. A lot of people make that claim. They back it up. Go by and see their smiling faces next time you're in town. The lovely, talented Susie, Miss Pam Minyard, Kathy Brown. Everybody there will do a great job for you. They'll make you feel like family because in their minds you are family. Yeah, it's true. I get a hug with every purchase. Maybe you don't, but I do. If you can't make it to town, we can't uh, send you a hug, but we'll do it now. Lean in. Uh, but uh, campusbookmart.net can take care of your online purchases. And you need to be getting outfitted for baseball season. And uh, be prepared for some Mississippi State basketball as well. You know, I'm not a big fan of football apparel and basketball or baseball games. Just my opinion. Uh, so get something sports-specific or just get the uh, universal state script. It's always good. Uh, visit him at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any orders less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, Mississippi State women's basketball team has played their one game of the week. We'll play again next Monday against uh, LSU. We'll need you to turn out and be a part of that. Uh, the ladies, big winners on Monday at the O'Connell Center. Hopefully the men can follow suit today. 89-77 is your final. It was a very close game for a while. Right? It was 19-19 after one. State takes a four-point advantage at the half. Florida cuts back into that, cuts it to two after the third. And then in the fourth period, again, State's conditioning just kind of takes over. And we have, we've seen that in recent games in the fourth quarter that your Bulldogs have really taken charge. So a 10-point advantage for the Bulldogs late to win 89-77. Uh, State now 16-5 on the year, 3-3 three three in the Southeastern Conference. Florida falls to 10-7 overall and 1-4 and four in the Southeastern Conference. Now, I've had a couple people tell me I've been mispronouncing Jerkayla Jordan's name. I've been saying Jerkalia. It's Jerkayla Jordan. I apologize to all of you. Sometimes name pronunciation is a moving target for me. Uh, but Jerkayla Jordan, 35 minutes of action, 21 points to lead the Bulldogs. Also had a steal, a block, just a couple turnovers, four assists. She did fell out of the game. Goodness gracious, what would she have done had she not fouled out of the game? Pulled down 12 rebounds. Easily your player of the game, Jessica Carter. A nice game for her as well. We talked about we needed her to play big. She did. 39 minutes of action, stayed out of foul trouble. 10 of 17 from the floor. She did miss all of her free throws. We're not going to nitpick their performance, but certainly some room for improvement there. Pulled down 16 rebounds, a dozen of those on the defensive end. Had one assist, a couple turnovers, and 20 points. So, Kind of filling up the stat line. You need to see that from your stars. Uh, Debrisha Poe from Meridian, Mississippi. 24 minutes of action. Knocked down a couple three-point shots. Five of six from the line. 
Pulled down a couple boards, 13 points for her. And then Lauren Park Lane, uh, good game for her. Dished out eight assists, scored 12 points, pulled down three rebounds. Uh, one of two from the line. I like it when she's there. I, I just always so much confidence when she's on the line. But a five of ten from the floor. And then Aaron Barnum, four points for her. And then Darion Rogers, 11 off the bench. Uh, Bulldogs shot it pretty well. And even from the perimeter, seven of 16. 16 of 23 from the line. You take out Jessica Carter's 0 for 5 night, you begin to realize Bulldogs as a team shot it exceptionally well all the way around. But uh, 89 points going to win you a lot of games in women's basketball. State shot 47% for the game. And in that uh, decisive fourth quarter when it was closing time, State 10 of 18 from the field, 1 of 2 from beyond the arc. And then, more importantly, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. That's what happens when teams are trailing, they have to foul. You've got to be able to convert your free throws. Bulldogs did. Proved to be difference in the ballgames. Uh, the game was tied six times. At no point did Florida lead the game. How cool is that? 48 points in the paint. Jessica Carter doing most of the work there. State with a dozen points off turnovers, 13 second chance points, a dozen fast break points, and then 19 from the bench. When you're getting near 20 points a game from your bench, especially women's basketball, more times than not you're going to win the game. Uh, so, good win for Mississippi State. And it's I wish things were a little less fragile. You know what I'm saying? It's like some of these games we start picking apart the schedule and it's on the men's end and women's side. You think, hey, you know, hey we got to find a way to win. It's a must-win game. And you hate to feel that way at this point in the schedule, but that's where we are. And with LSU coming to town next Monday, that's going to be a 6 p.m. tip. It's going to be on ESPN2. So, if you're in the Greater Triangle area, we need you to make plans to be here on Monday. And we'd love for the rest of you that are going to be here for the women's clinic and for men's basketball, just hang around. Maybe just if you got a condo up here, take Monday off. Come be with us. Uh, big, 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 big game for your Bulldogs. And then the next week, it looks to be, even though it's a lot of road games in there, you got a chance there. You know, that you get LSU, and then you got back-to-back games against Kentucky and Texas A&M. Those are games we have to have. If we're going to finish in the top half of this league, and we certainly feel like we're capable of doing that, going to have those have to have those games. And uh, looking at the SEC um, women's schedule here, and we'll look at the standings while we're together. And it's interesting too. I asked uh, Roy before I did Randy Rhodes, had we done slaughter? because I'm seeing slaughter. So we're going to come back. So that's your tip. Friday we're doing slaughter to kind of preview the weekend for those of us going to Great White and uh, and slaughter. You you should all be there. It's going to be great. Most of us are empty nesters now too, so we can get out and go enjoy some tunes again. I'm still true to the rock, man. I am. All right, looking at the uh, the schedule. Going to be uh, it's going to be busy. Yeah, this week for sure. You know, on, on the women's side, it always is. You know, that's the thing again we talk about Basketball, baseball, it's like, you know, you, you don't have time to kind of sit around and feel sorry for yourself because of the fact there's another game right around the corner. So Thursday night, before we get back together, January 25th, is it just me or does it feel like the year is just kind of rolling along? Florida is at Ole Miss. You got to like Ole Miss there. South Carolina's at LSU. That could be a very fun one to watch Thursday night since the Bulldogs aren't playing. Number one, South Carolina at defending NAFL champion LSU. In Baton Rouge. And what they call the Def Dome in the PMAC. That'll be on ESPN. That'll be a very interesting game to watch. Kentucky's at Arkansas. 
you got to feel like Arkansas can protect the home court. Texas A&M's at Missouri, pretty much a toss-up game there. And uh, you know, so there'll be some other games this weekend that uh, won't involve us because we're going to be in that Monday game. But uh, you're kind of looking ahead here. A&M goes to Florida, Vandy to South Carolina, Tennessee at Ole Miss. That'll be a good one. Arkansas and Ole Miss and Kentucky at Alabama. But the uh, reality of it is, is that we're in a good spot, but we got to make up a game somewhere. We're probably a game behind where we expect it to be. I think most people probably feel that way. But we're a veteran team. We've got to figure some things out here. Now, looking at the standings, just to kind of give you an idea of where we are, Mississippi State right there. I mean, just kind of neatly positioned there at sixth. We're sixth in the conference right now out of 14 teams. And A&M is behind us in the standings. Hopefully we can get that one. You know, of course, they're going to play a couple times before we see them. Uh, but when you start looking at this, South Carolina, of course, uh, won 17 games in a row. No, no big surprise. LSU 5-1 in the conference. Tennessee 5-1. Vandy 4-2. and two, Ole Miss 3-2. And, and then Mississippi State right there at 3-3. Three and three. And just behind us, everybody else with losing records in the league, A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky, all at two and three. Alabama's two and four. Auburn two and four. Missouri two and four. Florida one and four. Georgia one and five. So as we get a chance to kind of beat up on those teams in the bottom half of this league, we have a chance to kind of propel ourselves forward. Uh, I still feel good about the team. I don't feel like I did in the Tierra McCowan, Victoria Vivian's years where I expected to win every game. I don't feel that way. But I have more confidence in this team than perhaps I've had over the course of the last few years since Vic Schaefer's left. You know, even, you know, when uh, Victoria had moved on, we were still a very good team. You know, we were still a team that was expected to at least get to the Sweet 16 every year. I don't know that I'm ready to say this is a Sweet 16 team, but I'm getting to the point where I feel like, especially when Jessica Carter plays well, we can compete with just about anybody. South Carolina is an absolute machine right now, and LSU athletically is going to be they're going to be a challenge for us. That's why we need you to be there to help kind of even the score a little bit. But outside of that, I think we can play with anybody. I think we've proven that in the early going of the schedule. Uh, but state sixteen and five overall right now, and an eight and three at Humphrey Coliseum, and on the road five and two. And again, you know the measure of a team. It's not just protecting your home court, but being able to go on the road and get wins. And we've been able to do that. We're 3-0 on a neutral court. So 8-2 and two overall in games away from Humphrey Coliseum, that's a measure of a tournament team. You've got to be able to get it done when you have to put on that dark color jersey and go on the road. You have to. And, and we have not always been able to do that. But I believe that Sam has us moving in the right direction. And, of course, we, we lose the game in Tennessee, and we've got you know, people – Kind of getting out and I don't know, getting a little bit negative. And I get it. I mean, we all love we all love Mississippi State. We want to be competitive in all courts and fields of play. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention men's tennis with a big top twenty win over the weekend. It's always nice to see us win. But um, yeah, I think the women are in a pretty good position right now. I think everybody probably feels the same way that I do. But uh, we've got to win some games here. And uh, again, that LSU game is going to be asking a lot. I mean, you win that game, boy, things set up really well for you down the stretch. Because, again, you know, Kentucky, A&M, and then you got Georgia. So you've got a chance here. You know, the, the next four opponents are teams that are behind you in the standings. So we got to get fat right here. you got, you got to eat when the food is on the table. 
And we're about to get a chance to do that. And if you get a chance, just think for a second here. Let, let's say you get a split of these road games and then you beat uh, Georgia and Florida, and you should. Go three and one during this stretch. You start feeling really good about your positioning as you head down the stretch. Uh, still got some difficult games to go, but the schedule really kind of eases up for us once we get through LSU. I like our team. I like our team. I like our staff. I like where we're positioned right now. Obviously, a couple more wins would make me feel pretty good, but uh, this is a team, too, that's had to deal with a lot of adversity this year. You had some players that have been banged up. You had one out for the year with an ACL tear, and, you know, Jessica Carter missed some time. Beginning to get some people healthy, learning to play together as a unit. I think you can feel pretty confident that we're going to have some, some things to cheer about on the women's side. I feel better about the, men's, the, the women's side than I do the men right now because of the fact that I think the schedule really eases up for us. There, there's more parity on the men's side of things. There are some games in, on the women's side you, you can kind of show up and have a good game and still win. You don't always have to be at your best. And I know that coaches will tell you otherwise. But uh, there are some games you can simply out-talent people, especially on the women's side. And as the illustrious hind dog says, I mean, sometimes you know, some of these uh, women's basketball games, I mean, they just beat each other ungodly. I mean, you'll have somebody get beat 100 to 37. I mean, it, that's not atypical, especially in a non-conference. But we're going to have some games that we're going to be able to show up because we're a tougher team. And we're going to be able to go out there and not always play our best, but win the ball game. I don't know that I have that same level of confidence on the men's side right now. So, again, I think right now, the way things are positioning themselves, I think you can feel really confident the women, once we get through LSU, and if you win that LSU game, goodness gracious, things are really setting up well for you. But I think after that, you begin to realize that things are going to ease up. We're going to have to continue to play well. Can't take anything for granted. But we should be able to out-athlete a lot of these teams on the women's side as we kind of move forward. I think that's a fair assessment. And I hope that you'll agree. But I have confidence in both the men's and women's coaches and teams. We're veterans. we got a lot of players on both the men's and the women's side that have played a lot of basketball in the Southeastern Conference. They know what it's like. It's not, they're not going to be shocked. You know, they just go show up and all of a sudden, you know, oh, it's a basketball game against a tough opponent. I mean, they get free school too, right? That's kind of how the whole thing works. But um, you start working through this schedule again, you start beginning to realize – you know, come March 3rd, Mississippi State should be on the right side of the bubble. I don't think we're a bubble team on the women's side. I think we're going to play our way in. And I don't think anybody's going to be able to keep us out. You know, last year we had to play in the first four in, and we took care of that. And then, what do you know, we nearly got to the Sweet 16. Is this a Sweet 16 team? I think it's all going to depend on the bracket. Simple as that. It's all going to boil down to that. Who ends up being the, um, you know, the teams to beat? But uh, it's nice to be able to talk about some women's basketball and not just think about the next game, to be able to think about and forecast, you know, some postseason basketball. And then we'll see what happens. You're kind of moving forward. You know, what's going to happen with women's basketball? And I think that's the thing, too, like the whole Sam Purcell thing. You know, what if Auburn comes open? It's going to be a difficult task for us to keep him here if that opportunity presents itself. It's true. I mean, Sam's an Auburn alum. His father-in-law is kind of the godfather of Auburn's women's basketball. It's tough to compete against that. But my feeling is, no matter what happens with Sam Purcell, that Sam has done a good enough job that we have kind of righted the ship. We've proven you can win here again. We've proven that it wasn't just the Vic Schaefer magic. Now, we haven't reached those same heights by any stretch of the imagination. 
But I think we've shown it wasn't just one coach coming in here and just kind of catching fire. You know, we are – we number one, are committed to basketball. We have fans that turn out and support women's basketball. We're willing to give to women's basketball. We're willing to do some really cool things to help the women's side recruit. You know, and so I think if nothing else, we have taken another positive step forward getting back to where we want to be. We're not on the same level as South Carolina and LSU. We're just not. You know, LSU was down a little bit when we were up, and now we've kind of flip-flopped again. Of course, you could get Kim Mulkey, one of the best – coaches in the history of women's basketball, uh, you expect to get better, you know, and they have. And so they've kind of supplanted us in many respects. And so we've got to begin to kind of work our way back. And so Monday will be a nice test for us. That's again, so let me encourage you. If at all possible, please make plans to attend that game. It'd be nice for LSU to show up to a very, very hostile environment and students I'm calling on you. I know we've asked, we're asking a lot of you, I know, but listen, you guys are in college. you get got plenty of time to sleep. You don't have to spend every night in the Cotton District. Once you take care of your studies, but when the Bulldogs are on the court, we need you to be there. And I know that uh, that Auburn game is going to take a lot out of you on Saturday. Win or lose, I know that you students are going to bring your best effort. I have absolute confidence in you. But I'm going to need you to come back on Sunday. The Bulldogs need you to come – excuse me, on Monday. The Bulldogs are going to need you back on Monday. Sam Purcell is going to need you there. I don't want to have to hear about Sam Purcell having to go, you know, down fraternity row and beg people to come to games. And this is what we come to college for, right? This is one of the main reasons you came to an SEC college, right? You came to an SEC university because you wanted to be a part of a university that played sporting events that matter. These are games that matter. These next two games at Humphrey Coliseum are huge. These are where you make your memories. And there are so many of those you look back in time and say, man, I was there when that happened. We upset them. We beat them. We, we won a Southeastern Conference championship on our own court. And I was there for a part of that. And you'll be able to tell your kids, hey, I remember when I was, saw this NBA player play here, this Olympian play here. I was there. These are the days that last forever. And so I'm just going to encourage you, don't worry so much about what's happening in the Cotton District. You've know, you got all weekend to do that, right? But on Monday, we need you in Humphrey Coliseum. We need you to be there uh, to help propel the ladies forward because they're facing a top-10 team, uh, a team that's very, very accomplished, but again, from by an amazing coach. And so you're, we're going to need you to kind of help upset the balance a little bit in hopes of the Bulldogs – pulling off a major upset. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google it, man. Google is your friend, even though they're kind of corporate sellouts these days. It used to be a time when you could Google stuff and find really cool, interesting articles. But uh, here's the deal. When you just need to find the most reliable information, I go to Google, and you can Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. And while you're there, you can peruse their fine amenities. If you're looking to bring a large group to town, rather than go out there and get five hotel rooms, get a place where everybody can congregate together. Everybody can have their own individual room. You got a couple bathrooms. You got that amazing porch area on the back. You can sit out there and watch it rain these days. That great fire pit area, maybe you have to wait for it to dry out to use that. But uh, here's the deal whether it's a work group, and some friends of mine recently uh, used it for that purpose. They were in town doing some work uh, in the greater Triangle area. Everybody just stayed there. Places you can just kind of rally and set up a home base. And then everybody disperse and go take care of things and come back. 
You can break bread there. You can uh, stock the kitchen. You can do some cooking, put some adult beverages on ice, whatever you want to do. Or maybe it's a ball game deal. Maybe it's a family event and you want to come to Starkville for a staycation or a ball game weekend. Go to Stark Vegas Clubhouse on Google and book through the Evolve website. We'll save you 10% by using promo code BSR10. How about that? BSR10, Stark Vegas Clubhouse, always available midweek, weekend, whatever you'd like. Of course, unless somebody books, but uh, it's not a situation where somebody's just airbnb and out their house and only available on weekends. If you're coming in to work, you can use the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. And again, book through the Evolve website. You can book through VRBO or Airbnb, but I can't save you 10%. Book through Evolve, we can save you 10%. Promo code BSR10. All right, last few minutes together. A few things I want to talk about. Uh, Tomorrow is the first day of the writing process of the book, The Dude. Life and Times of Duty Noble. Still got a little more research to do. I wanted to go ahead and get started and uh, use what I have. And I've got a few few more interviews to do and things of that nature but uh first day in a new writing process for book number seven now i share that with you it's so interesting i have a lot of people say hey steve i read your book and i say well which one you know it's usually flim flam or dog pile uh, but this is book number seven and uh, i never really dreamed a few years ago would be in this position never did uh but listen it has been such an honor to begin to gather and compile all this information and old interviews and old game recaps and things like that to begin to shine a light on one of the most notable, if not the most notable, student athletes to ever wear a Mississippi State uniform. Very significant. And uh, it's a huge honor to have the blessing of the Noble family to write this book. It's a huge honor to have the university be behind me in this. And uh, as uh, one member of the state administration said, Steve's book probably should have been written 50 years ago, but if you don't write it, it's not going to get written. Probably some truth in that. One of the things when I got ready to move to Starkville, people asked me, you know, what, what do you want to do? You know, I'm covered the team. Went, went to everything. Like I was making up for lost time, right? I mean, I went to every single thing. From 2014 to 2019, if Mississippi State played a sporting event, I was there for the most part. And then 2020 came, and of course we had to make some adjustments to how we staff basketball, and um, you know, things change, and you begin to think, hey, well, if I did it, if I wanted all this stuff, it's a bit of an overkill, right? We don't need three stories uh, for beating Northwestern State in men's basketball or women's basketball. We don't. It's a little bit much. So I said we can kind of diversify our content production here. And so we've done that, uh, but it's also given me more time to work on projects like this. And I think they're important projects or I wouldn't commit so much time and effort into it. Uh, but we're going to have a limited edition that's going to be pretty special. I'll give you more details as we get a little bit closer. It's funny, people are already asking me, Steve, when can I pre-order? You know, I, I would love to be able to do that, but I've told the publisher, I was like, hey, let, let's not do that. Let's at least get the book uh, roughed out before we start taking people's money, because uh, I don't get any money until you guys get your books. But uh, I I just share that with you because of the fact that there's so much interest in the book and there's so much interest in Duty Noble. And one of the things that I found is a lot of the things that I thought or I've been told about Duty Noble are not accurate. And I think it's important to kind of frame things up in their proper context. That's a big part of this, huge part of this going to encompass, you know, 
goodness gracious, you know, 50, 60 years of Mississippi State sports. Some of the biggest hires in the history of the university were made by Duty Noble. I don't think anybody has ever had a better eye for coaching talent than Duty Noble. You can run the list. You begin to break it down yourself. I mean, you, you begin to think about the fact that we named a gym the McCarthy Gym because Duty Noble saw something in Babe McCarthy and hired him and ushered in the greatest era of Mississippi State basketball of all time. You also have uh, you know, Coach Paul Gregory. And I don't know that Coach Gregory gets enough respect, to be honest with you. Coach Gregory basically took us from being, you know, a great Southern baseball program, you know, to the cusp of being a national baseball program. And then, of course, Ron Polk came in and, uh, you know, took things to a completely different level that nobody else had ever done. We became a national recruiter in many respects. But uh, Paul Gregory did a lot to kind of build upon what Duty Noble did and kind of usher in a new era of baseball and Ron Polk. Then, of course, you know, he hired Murray Walmuth, who won an NAFL championship at Minnesota. He hired Darrell Royal, who won multiple NAFL championships for Texas. And we know so much about Duty Noble Field, but we don't know a lot about Duty Noble, the person, the player, the coach, the administrator. And my hope is we're going to be able to do that in a very honorable way and we're going to be honest you know, about things. There, there's some other stories in here that are going to be a little bit inconvenient and uncomfortable for some people. But um, you know, we're going to write it with love, but we're going to write it with honor and respect and with honesty. But I'm ready to get going. Uh, I've been down to in Mississippi, spent some time down there, just kind of getting a vibe and a feel. I, I've been down there to eat before, um, but not really to just kind of take in that small little town. And I, I mentioned that on the show here a while back, and I had people hit me up, said, Steve, you should let me know we were down here. We could have gone and broken bread together. But I do plan to get back down there and uh, you know, go to Gibbs. And uh, what's interesting, you know, they do that buttermilk pie down there, which is amazing. People say, it doesn't sound good. God, it's incredible. And so uh, my wife, we didn't get a chance to eat last time, so she made me a buttermilk pie. We loved it so much that uh, we shared it with friends. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting. When you, when you embark on something like this, you know, it's one of those things that uh, you got to be rested up and prayed up. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I am a very spiritual person, despite what some people may think. And uh, before I even got involved in all this, I did a lot of soul searching and kind of thought about that. I wanted to take this on, uh, the responsibility of writing this book. It's going to require a tremendous amount of research. And I've done so much research. And I reached out to some people that I love and respect and asked them, I said, hey, what do you think about this? Think about writing a biography of Duty Noble. And initially, some people were like, you know, Steve, it's kind of a niche book. I don't know, you know. And it is. It's a Mississippi State book at its core. And other people said, you know what, Steve, I wish I would have thought about that. And now that I've done the research and I've shared some of the anecdotal stories that I've picked up and things like that, people are like, oh, Steve, I can't believe you found this kind of stuff. What's kind of what I do, right? And again, the fact that I don't feel the need to be at every single thing anymore. We've got an army of people that work at Jeans Page, Right. Matter of fact, Justin Frommer just touched down in Gainesville, so he'll be there to cover the game tonight. But, uh, you know, so I don't have to sit there completely glued to the television uh, trying to keep up a game thread, you know, or on the message boards. You know, it gives us a chance to have a life, but also to some diversity and content. 
So I share that with you because uh, many of you have wondered, you know, how this whole thing kind of comes together. And I get people all the time that ask me about writing books, and but they want to write a book. The first thing that I'll tell you is uh, you probably don't want to write a book. You probably don't. You think you do, but you probably don't. It's fun to start a book. It's fun to plan a book. It's fun to research a book. It's fun to put an outline together. And it's fun to write a book. It's not fun to finish a book. Because then you got to fight through all this editing, all this fact-checking, and then there's somebody that will take exactly what you said and just rephrase it. And it doesn't change the meaning of anything. And you say, well, why don't we just leave it alone, right? Well, you know, well we're just trying to you know, make it a, a smoother read. And there's all these things like repetitive words and repetitive phrasing because when you, when you write over a period of weeks, sometimes you have the habit of just kind of spit, you know, sticking to the language that you use normally. And you may use a, a phrase repetitively. That's got to be fixed. That happens to me a lot. It really does. Uh, and then there's all this fact-checking stuff. I mean, it's just especially when you're writing a book of historical significance. I mean, you got to make sure you got the dates right. I mean, there have been times that I've, I've written, you know, stories for Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, and I'll go back on my own personal edit and find out that I had the location of the game wrong. Something as basic as that. I mean, it's right there for you. There have been other times in my research at Duty Noble where I've found things like scores of games that are different. I found a baseball game between State and Ole Miss. I think it was back in... Um, it was in the 1800s, uh, but it was the second time we had played. The, uh, the Oxford Eagle it was a tie ball game, and they had the score wrong in the paper. And then I would go back, and I would find a Mississippi State media guide, and we'd have one score. Then the Ole Miss media guide agreed with us, so the newspaper account is incorrect. And so you got to work through all that kind of stuff, too, because you want to be accurate. There have been some other times that I found, you know, there were some things, some uh, some notable players in our, our history that somebody say, hey, this guy was the first Mississippian to do this, like Willie Mitchell. Like some people, for years, people have told me Willie Mitchell was the first Mississippian to play in the major leagues. Well, that's not factually correct. He's the first Mississippi State player to ever play in the major leagues. Not the first Mississippian. Matter of fact, there were three prior to him. And the first Mississippian to play in the major league baseball ranks uh, was eventually banned from the game for a while because he paid off an official. Yeah, it's crazy. Guy from Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, and so I share that because books like these, you know, require a lot of time and effort and research. And uh, so be thinking about your good friend and host as we kind of work on this stuff. And, uh, you know, once we get a little bit deeper into the process, we'll open enough pre-orders. And, you know, our hope is to have this thing completely finished in about six months. That's the hope, six to seven months. We hope to have it out before football season. And, uh, you know, we're planning some big things. And uh, it's one of these things, I think in many respects, one of those books that uh, is very, very important to all of you. You know, Dogpile kind of goes on its face, right? I mean, it's like, hey, you win an AFL championship, you got to write a book about that. And we deserve to have a book about that. Matter of fact, I've got a copy of Dogpile sitting right here next to me. We needed that to commemorate the moment, to chronicle our journey to win our first ever team sport and AFL championship. We, that, yeah, I, I was born to write that book. You know, When the Bottom Falls is uh, the new one, still doing really well. And uh, we, you never know how that stuff's going to be received. But I, I get messages just about every day from people asking where to order it and other people saying, Steve, I couldn't put it down. I just finished it. And I love the book. And uh, I appreciate it so much. That you can go to When the Bottom Falls 
And you can order the new book, and all my sports titles were there. But that's a book I had to write. And there was just something inside me that I, it's like I've got this knowledge about what it takes to get clean and sober and how to stay clean and sober and how to cope with life and things like that. And so I felt like I owed it to the still suffering addict and those who loved them to write what I know about recovery. And you don't have to be a person that struggles with chemical dependency. It's really a book about, you know, I've had some people say, you know, Steve, it's a love story. And in many respects, it is. It's a story of redemption. You know, it's a story of growing up in South Mississippi and finding some, you know, some level of acclaim in life. You know, coming from the humble upbringings of my grandparents raising me for most of my life as a kid. And then, you know, getting married and becoming a father. There's a lot to it. It's not just about chemical dependency. You know, it's not some clinical book. Okay, well, I've got a drinking problem. How do I fix it? All of that is part of it. But there's like, there's this scarlet thread throughout the book that is really about and maybe redemption is the wrong word, but it's one of those things, it's about overcoming. You know, one of the things that, um, and, and I, I'm not very thin-skinned like some people think. My wife sometimes will point things out to me and say, I think you're being a little bit too sensitive about this. And that bothers me too because more of the time she's wrong. But uh, my point being is that uh, I'm not a survivor. Like you, you read that, so, oh, I'm, I'm a survivor. I think in many respects, when you look at the plight of the of the drug addict and then the redemption of the phoenix rising moment, it's almost disrespectful to call it surviving. Because surviving in many respects is a measure of luck. I mean, you know, God forbid, you know, we have plane crashes and then, well, they survived the plane crash. Well, true. But it's kind of a lottery. You know, Recovery is about overcoming. So I'm not a survivor in that respect. I'm, I'm an overcomer. Because I still have those same character defaults, uh, defects. I'm still working through some things, you know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that um, is very comfortable in his own skin these days. I wasn't always. You know, I wasn't always so self-assured. There are always some things out there I thought may have been too big for me. You know, I remember even riding Flim Flam. I remember thinking, this story is too big for me. That's how I felt at times. And I thought, you know what? Nobody knows this better than me. Nobody's a better expert on this topic than me. And so I got to write this book. And I did. And I, I really battled with imposter syndrome for, for weeks before it came out. I'm like, I'm getting out of my lane here. I'm just a recruiting writer, right? I mean, what am I doing writing this book? You know. And you all know what all came from that. But it taught me a lot about myself. And, and I share that with you because... You can be better tomorrow than you are today. You got to try something new. And listen, there are a lot of people out there, like the thing that, one of the things that irritates me, you know, it just drives me crazy. We got a lot of people out there claiming to be kings that are just basically just jesters. They're just a bunch of jokers. And it's like, oh, you know, well, I'm the king of my castle, you know. And then, you know, it's your wife telling you, where, you know, what clothes to put on, where to put them, that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, it's a, there's so much of that. We have self-deluded ourselves with so many things. And I, I just want to share that because you're never too old to change your life. I remember being, we decided to move to Stargill from Baton Rouge. I remember, you know, Dan and I got out there and did all the yard work ourselves, a lot of work on the house ourselves. And I think the lesson that I taught my children is that, hey, even if you get married, you're middle-aged and married, 
you can still change your life. We come up here. We've had some great years. I love being here. I'm here. I'm here for the duration. I am. I always joke with people. One of these days, when I get ready to retire, I'm gonna write the Salman Rushdie recruiting book and go move to Costa Rica or something. Tell all the dirty secrets I know about everybody. But um, you never know. I may do that. I may not. I may just kind of you know, one day just decide to hang them up. You know. But uh, life is short and death is certain. And I, not just for me, but for all of you, I don't want you to sit back one day and say, you know what, I never got a chance to do this. Or I never made the time to go do this. Because it's really all within our own power, right? I mean, there's not ever a situation where there's nobody telling me, hey, Steve, hey, you got to go write this book. There's nobody telling me that. And it's the same for you. It's like, hey, you know, my family is from Scotland. And one day I, I want to go to Scotland. I want to see all those things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the time to go do that. Because like, it's just like the basketball thing, right? We tell ourselves, hey, there's plenty of games left. When the most important games are one right in front of us. It's the same thing for us in life. We think we, got, we, think we have forever. Oh, eventually I'm going to do that. You know, well, eventually it never gets here. You got to have a plan. And whether it be to travel or whether it be to do something, you know, get out and paint your house or to, you know, build a doghouse or a gazebo or whatever. You know, there's no time like the present. I just share that because I've had so many people that have reached out say, Steve, you've inspired me to write a book. And uh, that means a lot to me. But also, I don't know that people fully understand what they're taking on. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that out of vanity or anything. I can just tell you that uh, there's so many people, number one, that don't have a story. They have a story that's important to them, but it's not a marketable story. Now, if I had come out in the beginning and wrote When the Bottom Falls, it might have done okay, maybe, right? But I had to have, you know, the Hugh Freeze all Miss Scandal to really kind of give me the opportunity to show what kind of writer I was. And I'm even better now. At least I hope so. But a lot of people don't have a story. They have a dream. And here's the thing. You may not be on the New York Times bestseller list. You may not be on the Mississippi bestsellers list. You may not even be one of the top sellers in your neighborhood bookstore. I don't know. But that doesn't let that stop you. That shouldn't be a reason not to do it. Because I, I, I learned so much and I gained so much writing these books. Very cathartic for me. Writing is very healing for me. Yeah, I read something earlier. I think it was Aristotle that said, you know, it's like, you know, we get better at the things we do repetitively. You know, so it, it's not necessarily just a gift. In times, it becomes a learned skill. And so I write every day, whether I post stuff on Gene's page or not, which, I, you know, I produce content every day with rare exception. But my point is, is that if you look at life like that and say, well, you know, I've never been a great writer. Well, you're never going to get better by just saying, you know what, I'm just not a great writer. I'm not a great public speaker, right? I feel that I am, but there are a lot of people who say, you know what, I can't do it. Sure you can. Or I can't sing a solo in church. Sure you can. Sure you can. You can practice and you can get better. A lot of times, I know when I was a kid, I used to wonder, you know, well, what if, um, you know, what's my skill? What's my talent? What can I do that nobody else can do? And I, I was fast, but I wasn't as fast as some other kids. You know, I could throw the baseball, but I couldn't throw it as hard as some other kids. And you begin to ask yourself, well, why wasn't I born with this? And you got you to gotta plot a course for self-improvement. And somewhere along the way, you kind of find where you fit. And then once you're there, it's not just about fitting. It's about kind of changing the mold. And that's what I encourage you to do. And, uh, you know, I know there's some, some personal platitudes there, and, and, I, and I get it. 
But I just want you guys to know kind of where we are in process. Tomorrow's, I'll get up, I'll write a couple things for Gene's page, and I'll spend the rest of the afternoon uh, working on Chapter 1 for the Duty Noble book. And uh, I'm, the, I'm pretty prolific, right? Once I get going, you know, like I wrote, I wrote uh, When the Bottom Falls in 27 Days. I wrote Dogpile in six weeks. And Dogpile, of course, required a lot more fact-checking and things of that nature, you know, a lot more transcription of interviews. You know, when you're writing a book about your own life, you don't have to interview anybody. Well, at least I didn't, you know. And so I, I share that with you just because I think it's important that, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I hadn't written any books. I'd always aspired to write books, but this is book number seven. And I don't say that to praise myself, but to remind people that life is not over. A lot of times we get a mortgage, we get the kids out of the house, we think, okay, well, now it's my time to relax. And I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know what, hey, that's, that's one less, uh, I can kind of eat when I want to now. I can travel when I want to now. I got a lot more freedom these days. It's true. And if you're in the same boat as me, let me encourage you, you know, pick up a paintbrush or, or grab a pen and a journal and start you know, writing poetry. Do something creative to add a little color and flavor to your life. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to take up guitar, buy a horse, whatever. But let's go do something special. And, uh, you know, because, again, I've shared with you guys before, but let, let's don't lead accidental lives. Let's lead, lead lives of purpose. Listen, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Friday, hopefully recapping a win over the Florida Gators. And uh, we'll get ready to preview the weekend. And a reminder, you know, weekend game for the Lady Bulldogs is we play on Monday against, against LSU. But we'll have Auburn coming to town on the men's side. And, of course, uh, we'll have uh, you know, some reaction from the women's uh, baseball clinic maybe, maybe we'll let dana get on the mic on monday and give you guys you know a, a review or a recap and again ladies if you're on the fence about going let me encourage you to go you're a part of this program too and it'd be nice to get out there and go have a little fun right until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.